So good morning listeners and welcome to Come and See Inspirations, being produced here in our Come and See studio here in Ada. And it's the 3rd of November. It's the 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley and thank you again for joining us for another edition of Come and See Inspirations. Help me to present the programme again as usual. Uh, other end of the Skype line somewhere, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? Good. Can't complain this morning. Thank you so much for, for staying with me again for another another programme that we're going to present uh, for our listeners out there who are listening in various parts of the world, but especially listening to us on Sacred Space on West Limit 102 local radio. Um, they listen to us at 10 a.m. and 11, 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. each Sunday. And also available uh, for playback and download and come and see inspirations.buzzsprout.com. So if you Google either buzzsprout.com or come and see inspirations.buzzsprout.com, you'll see a lot of our programs there for the last in the 18 months of this stage, maybe two years. But of the 11, the whole 11 years of our production here of Sacred Space is available to be heard and Sacred Space 102.blogspot.com. So you can listen to all and visit all of our previous programs that we've produced here over the years. Also, um, those of you who have accounts with Spotify, you can get us by searching Come and See Inspirations and listen to us on Spotify. Again, we want to welcome especially those listeners who, who are housebound, lonely and struggling in some way today. We know you're out there. We know you're lonely. We, we do offer up this program actually for yourself that's both the music and any prayers that we have and we have a little book here that we try to remember all those have asked us to 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 pray for them give them some support we but we ask but we do thank all of our listeners for the prayer support that they give us each week program this week well it'll include the usual saints for the week shane will share with us in a second and in part two of the program we are joined by father Eamon fitzgibbon who's going to be chatting with Shane on initiatives that are happening in the diocese. But we'll leave that for part two. And in part three, as usual, we will read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel. If you want to text us, and we'd like you to text us, 87 That's 87 Or you can email us, and that's on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. So text us, 87 or email sacredspace102 at gmail.com. We'd like you to text us in regard to any comments about the programme, whether you like the programme maybe, maybe maybe you didn't like the programme, maybe you'd like to change a few things around the programme. It might be some music choices you might have, it might some be some prayer reflections you might want to offer us, it also might be some advice maybe on bringing some guests onto the programme. All you got to do is text us on 87 or email us on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. Now, Shane, Saints for the Week, I think you're getting busy this week. Yeah, there's a, there's a few on this week, John. Um, just to observe Sunday. So this week is the 31st week in Ordinary Time, so the year is passing by. For those praying the Psalter, we're on week three. Now, normally, John, Sundays, we don't celebrate the saints whose feast days fall on Sundays. But this year, uh, on the Irish calendar... Um, in the dioceses of Armagh and Down and Connor, they celebrate the feast day of St. Malachi as a solemnity because he is the patron saint of their respective dioceses. Malachi was a famous saint associated in 1094 with Armagh. He's a very much associated with reforming the church in Ireland and also of introducing the Cistercians to Ireland and in particular the foundation of the Abbey at Mellifont. 
um, which was the first Cistercian house in Ireland. He actually died in Clairvaux, which was the mother house of the Cistercians, on his way back from Rome, and he is actually buried there, and he died in 1148. So Monday is the 4th of November. It's the feast day of St. Charles Borromeo, famous Cardinal Archbishop of Milan, uh, created Archbishop at the age of 21, very much associated with the Council of Trent. So for those that can't remember, the Council of Trent was the big reforming council, church council that was held at, in the middle of the, of the Protestant Reformation. So Borromeo was very much associated with it. He participated with it and very much sought to its implementation in his own dioceses of Milan. Now, of course, Milan is very much associated with St. Ambrose and Borromeo is regarded as the saint, second St. Ambrose of Milan. Uh, he's also very much involved, renowned for drafting the catechism of the Council of Trent. And because of that, he is the patron saint of catechists and seminarians. Uh, the reason he's the patron saint of seminarians is after the Trent, we had the establishment of what we now know as seminaries. They didn't exist before that. So he was he set up one of the first ones in Milan. So then on Tuesday the 5th, we have the feast day of St. Martin de Porres. Now, it's an interesting one. Martin de Porres is on the Irish calendar. Uh, now, he's a Dominican saint, um, associated, obviously, with uh, Peru. But, of course, one of the reasons Martin is so associated on the Irish calendar is, of course, that when he was Blessed Martin, there was great devotion to him in Ireland. And to this day, the, the Irish Dominicans have the Blessed, uh, the St. Martin de Porres apostolate, uh, which operates out of uh, Parnell Square in Dublin. He was the illegitimate son of a Spanish nobleman, a nobleman even, and a young freed black slave. He grew up in poverty, uh, he, and at, he, he became a servant of the Dominican Priory in Lima and Peru at the age of 11. And then, basically, eventually, he took vows as a Dominican brother because he was what was called half caste, or he was because he, he, he was termed to be he was termed to be black. So a Dominican brother was um, you you didn't become a priest effectively. You were you were a working brother within the con within the congregation. And he died in fifteen seventy nine and he was canonized by John the twenty third in nineteen sixty two. Then on Wednesday we have the feast day of all the saints of Ireland. Now this is the official saints and basically, it's the day set aside by Benedict the Fifteenth um, for for all the official saints of Ireland. So it includes so it includes all those who are canonised officially by the Church in in terms of uh, the likes of Oliver Plunkett and Saint Malachy, Saint Lawrence O'Toole, and Saint Charles of Mount Argus. So they are the only four Irish saints who have gone through the formal canonization process. All of our other earlier saints, our saints that we associate with the Celtic Church, they were canonized pre, what's called pre-congregation, pre the introduction of the strict rules on canonization. The feast um, is wider, obviously, than just those four. It includes all of those as well, such as Blessed Thaddeus McCarthy, whose feast day was celebrated last week, the 17 Irish martyrs, Edmund Rice, Columba Marmion, Matt Talbot, Adele Quinn, Alfie Lamb, um, the, uh, you know, all, all uh, what was the one? Catherine, she used to be on the five pound note. I can't for the life of me remember her name. Um, it'll come to me in a minute. All of those saints whose causes have been introduced. So that's who we celebrate on the 6th of November. Then, John, on the 7th of November, we celebrate the feast day of St. Will, uh, Brod of Echternacht. Now, I have no idea why this guy is on the Irish calendar. Anyway, 
Sorry, he's son of... Uh, he was educated at Ripon in England and in Ireland under St. Egbert, so I presume that's why he's on our calendar. He was a missionary to Friesland and Luxembourg with St. Switbert, and he's the founding bishop of Utrecht in Netherlands in 695, and basically he died in 739, in, and his, his relics are in Luxembourg. So that's the guy we celebrate on the 7th of November, which is Thursday. Then Friday, and next Friday, we celebrate the feast of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. So Elizabeth of the Trinity, she's a Carmelite saint. Uh, she died in 19... Sorry, she died in 1903. A uh, woman that struggled because she was born in extreme poverty. Um, and she had difficulty then in terms of education wise she but she had an early attraction to a life of prayer and reflection and she was a gifted pianist um, she entered the Carmelites in France in August 1901 and she suffered great doubts and darkness um, and for, for her spiritual director expressed doubts over her vocation however she took her final vows and she died, sorry, she died in 1906, I beg your pardon. She took her final vows in 1903 and she died in 1906. That's St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. Now, as well as that, just to remind people, Friday would be the last day to gain the, the plenary indulgence uh, for the remission uh, for the commemoration of all saints and all souls. Just to remind people that... The faithful who visit a cemetery and pray for the dead may gain a plenary indulgence applicable only to the holy souls on the usual conditions, which is recitation of one Our Father, an Apostles' Creed, and going to confession uh, once a day up until the 8th of November. And Holy Communion may be as also, so go to confession and receive Holy Communion. So that's, that finishes next Friday. Then finally, John, on Saturday, we have the feast day of the dedication of St. John Lateran in Rome. Now, people say to me, Shane, why not do we celebrate the dedication of a church in Rome? And the reason we do is that the Cathedral of the Most Holy Saviour and of St. John's the Baptist and the Evangelist in the Lateran, to give it its full title, is the Cathedral of the Bishop of Rome. So this is actually the Cathedral of the Pope. So, as we know, the Pope is the Bishop of Rome, so to become Pope, you must be Bishop of Rome, and every bishop has its cathedral, or his seat, where in his cathedral. And John Lateran, the Archbasilica of John Lateran, is the Pope's cathedral in the city of Rome, and it ranks above all other churches and cathedrals and basilicas in the world, including St. Peter's, uh, which might confuse some people as well. And it is, um, it's an interesting one. It's a nice, it's an interesting place to visit. It was originally the palace of the, of the Lateran family, did, uh, given to the church by Constantine the Great. And it has been a, a monastery and the palace of the popes right up until pretty much the Avignon, the Babylonian um, captivity to France, to Avignon in the 1300s. Interesting thing, if you visit John Lateran, the, the Basilica of John Lateran, first of all, you'll see the Pope's Cathedral, but also is the altar is a very interesting piece. It sits in the middle of the Basilica with this big, high, gothic ciborium or canopy over it, and the tradition was that the heads of St. Peter and St. Paul were held in the ciborium. That isn't actually the case. The other interesting thing, the other interesting thing about uh, St. John Lateran is, of course, its famous statues of the apostles. Huge, <coughs> life-size, carved marble statues of the Twelve Apostles. And the interesting thing about it is all of them hold the instruments of their martyrdom. 
uh, uh, generally uh, as part of it. And these, they're huge. They're bigger than life size. Like I'm, I'm six foot tall and these statues are like, they're, they're twice my height. Um, they're huge statues that are held in John Lateran. So that's what we celebrate, John. On Saturday, it's the dedication of that building as a basilica and it's dedication to Christ the Savior and John the Baptist and John the Divine or John the Evangelist. Very comprehensive as usual. Thank you. One comment and one question. Yeah. Charles Bartomeu, he yes. become he he become a cardinal at the age of twenty one. Well, it was the Middle Ages, John. Kind of these things happen. Okay. They did. It's not exactly Just something that you'd be. Uh, yeah. Wasn't too no. sure if I heard it right, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. The question: This yes. time of the year, about a month before we start off a new church year, yeah. and that being the case, we often speak here on a thing called the Ordo. Quickly run through. What is an order? Sure, no hassle. Just before you do that, John, I just hmm. had a quick look. Borromeo was put into religious orders, or religious, uh, or into orders, as in he was started on the road to priesthood at the age of 12. So oh. just so that you know. Thanks. So. He, received, he received the tonsure when he was 12 years of age. But in terms of, in terms of the, uh, the order, yes. So what does that mean? So the order is basically, it's a calendar. It's like a, it's like a diary. Of the of the liturgical year, it starts on the first Sunday of Advent, which this year is the first of December, as far as I know. Yeah. So, and it basically sets out for each day. It gives you the the readings of the day for the mass uh, for a priest. It gives him the vestment colours that he should be wearing. It tells us who the saints of the saints are, and there could be a short little reflection either about the saint or about the readings of the day. In addition to that, it tells you things like upcoming feast days in Ireland, days that are set aside, like the the World Day of Prayer for migrants and things like that. Mm-hmm. It also includes things like the Holy Days of Obligation for the Irish Church. Uh, it includes the Pope's intentions for the year. Uh, speaking of which, the Pope's intentions for November are that a spirit of dialogue, encounter and reconciliation emerge in the Near East, where diverse religious communities share their lives together. I'd forgotten that last week. Um, It also sets out then kind of for liturgical nerds like me, it sets out things like the, the ranking of the feast days. And, and different things like that, which we have to keep an eye on when we're telling people about different things. And, for example, it also gives the calendar for next year. For So, so anyone that's interested, for 2020, Easter Sunday falls on the 12th of April. Thanks, Jan. And it's, it's fairly cheap, too. It is. It's only, about a, it's only about a tenner. It's produced by Veritas, which is the Bishop's Publishing Company. Uh, it's available in, in Limerick. As far as I'm aware, it's available at the Knock Shrine Shop which is on Little Catherine Street, and it's also available at the Abbey Bookshop, and I think, but I'm not sure, it should also be available at Bo, at the Redemptorist's uh, shop at Mount St. Alphonsus as well. Okay, now, so what I want to do now today, again, following last week's little uh, reflection I gave on a letter from heaven, a few people um, like that particular one, and just keep it in the same vein, this being November, I just might read a little reflection that I got here. Again, it's been, uh, it was penned by Father Terence Harrington, who happened to be spending some time in Knox Ryan early on during the year. This one is, is, is entitled Grief. You never really get over the loss of your loved one. They live forever in your broken heart. Grief is something that walks beside you every day and every night. Grief comes in waves. When you're driving alone in your car while you're doing the dishes, while you're getting ready for work, all of a sudden it hits you. Your breath catches, tears flow, and the sadness can be so great 
that is physically painful. You can feel alone. Grief causes a wound, sometimes a very deep wound. Our heart is not just wounded, it's broken. Like all wounds, it hurts. But this is a wound we need not to be ashamed of. In fact, it's a wound, it's a wound we should be proud of, because it's caused by love. Where there is love, there is also grief and pain. Those who have never loved will never experience grief. They are the most deprived people of all. They have missed what life is all about. Grief doesn't end because love doesn't end and the relationship doesn't end. When all is said and done, grief is the price we pay for love. Grief and love are joined together. You don't get one without the other. Grief is not a sign of weakness, nor a lack of faith. It's a price of love. Where there is deep grief, there is deep love. Grief is one of the strongest emotions we experience, and it's healthy to express it and not hide it. What you're feeling is in fact good, strange as it may seem. Take all the time you need. Learn to live with it. It can be exhausting. Face it. Work through it. It's okay to be hurting. Don't try to be strong and put on a brave front. Express it. Cry and cry and cry. Talk and talk and talk. Grief heals. Tears strengthen. Be proud, be proud of your grief. Grief is love. That was penned by Father Terence Harrington. So now we might go for our first bit of music. Entitled, You Raise Me Up, it's by Bowley Too.
Welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. Still joined uh, by Shane Ambrose, other end of the Skyplane. And Shane, you've got a, another guest that you're going to have join us this week and enlighten us on what's happening around the diocese and so on for more of that. John, so this week we're welcoming back to the programme Father Eamon Fitzgibbon. Morning, Eamon. Good morning, Shane. Good morning, John. Good morning, so, good morning Father Eamon. So Father Eamon is the director of the... Irish Institute for Pastoral Studies at Mary Macleod College, which is based out of the old St. Patrick's College in Thurles. So, Eamon, this morning you're going to join and tell us a small little bit about the Institute and some upcoming courses that the Institute is running. So I suppose the first question for our listeners this morning is, is what is the Irish Institute for Pastoral Studies? Well, Shane, um, yeah, as you said, the Old St. Patrick's College in Thurles has been incorporated into Mary Immaculate College, so it's now a second campus of Mary Immaculate College. Now, mostly what happens down there in Thurles is uh, the training and education of secondary school teachers, but also as part of that incorporation, a Pastoral Studies Institute was established on the campus, and I suppose the role really of the Institute is to provide support and training and formation in pastoral studies and pastoral ministry and pastoral leadership for the Diocese of Ireland, really, but particularly here in the southern province. So I've been working over the last three years, working closely with um, a number of neighbouring dioceses and, of course, our own diocese here in Limerick as well. A lot of it around short, unaccredited programmes um, maybe formation programs, training programs, scripture, um, that kind of thing, but also some facilitation work with dioceses as well as they look at um, their own renewal processes and things they're involved in. I've been very involved with Cashel this year, for example. We're doing a listening process down there um, as part of developing a pastoral plan for the diocese. So really that's what the Institute for Pastoral Studies uh, was established to do. It's really to provide support for for dioceses and for parishes, especially for the education and formation of um, people and priests in the whole area of pastoral pastoral theology. And um, in terms of, I suppose, different types of courses that are offered, do you are the courses more kind of 
per need for, say, for example, each of the dioceses, or is there courses which you're kind of offering to everybody? Um, they're, I suppose they are particular to different dioceses, the shorter ones we run, like we've, we've been doing a lot of scripture programs down in Cashel, Archbishop Kieran O'Reilly um, is himself steeped in scripture and in the Bible and was very anxious that we would develop a biblical apostolate down there, so we've been doing a lot of work on that, uh, running various short programs and short courses. We ran one last year, a little eight-week program called How to Read the Bible. We were using a book there produced by the Redemptress, and we ran that throughout the diocese in different locations. And this year, we've just concluded a short four-week series um, on Scripture as well. Sister Therese Fitzgerald of the Our Lady, Our Lady um, of Zion Sisters. She's based in Dublin, but she was down with us once a week. So, for example, that would be the focus in Cashel and Emily. <clears throat> uh, different dioceses would have would place the focus on different aspects of formation and training. Obviously, here in our own diocese, much of the work has been around the development of the pastoral units and uh, supporting that development and supporting the training and formation of pastoral unit teams, team ministry, preparing people for that. And something similar in Killaloo as well. I would have done quite a bit of work in the Diocese of Killaloo, particularly with clergy and their own clergy conferences. So it, I suppose it varies from diocese to diocese, but there are a number of programs that run across all dioceses. And this year we, we are launching into a the first of our accredited programs, a certificate program in pastoral ministry and pastoral leadership. Just for, I suppose, the, if you like, without, no pun intended, the layman in the street, what's the difference between accredited and uncredited, unaccredited? Yeah, um, <clears throat> credited programs are essentially, like they say on the 10, that you achieve credits for the program. So they're part of the university um, accredited courses and programs. Now, they can be anything from level six, which would be a certificate or a diploma, up through level seven, which are kind of the degree programs that many people are familiar with, level eight, also degree programs. So they're, they're accredited programs in the sense that the university accredits programs and gives awards for those programs. So people achieve a certificate or a diploma, or as the case may be, a degree or a master's degree in accredited programs. Now, obviously, then the whole issue of accrediting a program means you have to bring it through a formal process whereby the university um, can stand over it in terms of quality assurance, can stand over it in terms of the assessment, the modules, the content, the learning outcomes, all of that. So bringing a program forward for accreditation is quite a, quite a piece of work and it takes a bit of time. We're three years up and running now, so it's, it's only now that we're beginning to offer accredited programs, because as I say, just getting those programs uh, to the point where they are actually ready to be offered is, is quite a piece of work that goes on in the background. Which brings us very neatly, I suppose, to the fact that, as you said, you're offering one of the first programs, which is a program of formation for lay pastoral ministry and leadership. So I suppose, um, I suppose the, the question would be, what, what, what's it going to cover, what's involved, and how could people find out a bit more information about it? Yeah, this, um, this program is one of the ones that, as I mentioned, are running across a number of dioceses. Uh, a number of dioceses here in the southern province expressed an interest in training and developing a formation program 
for lay catechists, for lay pastoral workers, um, for people involved in pastoral care, pastoral ministry, or leadership. I suppose essentially a recognition that in the future, our parishes and our communities are going to need um, lay people who are equipped, who are competent, and who are confident, and who are qualified to lead those communities pastorally and to take on much of the work, I suppose, that has been done previously by clergy, because, to put it very bluntly, quite simply, the clergy won't be there. So I've been working across a number of dioceses, four or five dioceses here in the southern province, and we developed a formation program. Now, I suppose a lot of it was informed last year, last summer, um, just after the World Meeting of Families in Dublin, we held a conference in Thurlis, and we invited a number of people who were in Ireland for that uh, World Meeting of Families um, to come to Thurlis, stay in Ireland for a few more days, come to Thurlis, and present at that conference. One of those presenters was Cardinal John Dew from uh, New Zealand, from the Archdiocese of Wellington in New Zealand. And he spoke to us about a program of formation that they have for lay ministry. And I suppose we we kind of looked at that and we, we adapted it and we thought that there, was, there was a lot there that um, spoke to our situation and our reality as well. So we've designed a program for, for our situation here in Ireland, inspired, I suppose, by that program and by others that we heard about during that conference in Thurlis. But essentially, Shane, it's a program of formation that covers a number of areas. One would be pastoral, that the people doing the program would have a pastoral placement, they would have pastoral experience, so they would be involved in some aspect of an experience in their lives, whether it's in a parish setting, perhaps a nursing home setting, um, working alongside people in a pastoral setting for a number of hours a week that gives them the actual experience of being engaged in some kind of a pastoral um, reality, a pastoral program. Another aspect of the program then is uh, people's own personal development and personal growth because any kind of ministry or pastoral work or that, that kind of leadership at, at parish level requires a level of personal awareness and personal growth and personal development. So we, we build that in as well. Um, obviously, the whole issue of prayer and spirituality and spiritual accompaniment is, is a very important feature. And then finally, there is the study aspect, there's the learning aspect. And that's really, I suppose, where I have been most engaged in developing the certificate which is one one aspect of the wider program. So the wider program isn't just the accredited certificate. There are other elements to it. And perhaps the best way of explaining it is to describe to you what has been happening in the Diocese of Killaloo. Uh, Killaloo started this over a year ago. So they advertised and they interviewed people who might be interested. And they recruited 30 lay people throughout the diocese. And the first six months of the program, it was run one weekend a month for six months. And the first six months was really just an opportunity for those participants to see, is this for me? Is this kind of pastoral ministry, pastoral leadership, the kind of thing that I would be interested in, the kind of thing that I have a talent for? Is it what I am being called to? So it was a kind of a discernment kind of preparation time. And at the end of that six months, that's when they begin the formal two-year 
a certificate course, the, the, the studies period. That's run over the course of eight weekends, again, one weekend a month, so eight months in the year, um, eight weekends over the course of the year, and there were various modules offered. And I would be very much involved with that with Mary Immaculate College. That's the piece that we accredit, that we certify, and that we provide the, the modules and the lecturers and the course. Um, it's a level six certificate that we provide as part of the wider program. But also alongside that certificate, each of those participants will also have a placement back in their own diocese, in their own parishes, in their own communities, um, a practical pastoral placement where they're placed either in a parish, maybe a pastoral unit, perhaps a nursing home or some care facility, or maybe working with schools or some kind of catechesis, where they are actually getting practical experience of the kind of work that they will be engaged in afterwards. They'll also have a mentor uh, who works alongside them. They have a supervisor for their pastor replacement. So there's, there's a whole wraparound element as well as the actual study piece, the learning piece. So I suppose a couple of things that, that strike me about that, Eamon. Um, I suppose, first of all, is terms of kind of, if I, I let, let me put the questions first, and then we can come back to them individually. I suppose, first of all, is in terms of who would you, who would this course be aimed at? Secondly, I suppose, in terms of, you spoke about the certificate there and kind of from a more, it's more study orientated. So what types of things would people would be looking at? Uh, and then thirdly, I suppose, is a case of, from a diet, you know, from Limerick's diocesan perspective, if someone did this, where would it fit into the overall plan, if, if you like, in terms of pastoral units for, for the diocese? Yeah, so maybe if I begin with the, the last question first, if that's okay, where does it fit in, in terms of the Limerick um, pastoral plan? Back at the diocesan synod in 2016, Shane, there were a number of proposals that came in um, strongly urging that we would provide some kind of formation and training for lay catechists. They were variously described in the proposals, sometimes described as lay catechists, sometimes described as coordinators or animators or pastoral workers, but essentially a recognition, I think, at the Senate that we need to equip lay people, train them, form them to take on leadership roles in, in pastoral ministry in our parishes and in our pastoral units. Um, Pope Francis actually in Evangelii Gaudium, that, that document that he produced, uh, really kind of a program for the church, if you like, he, he said very clearly there that lay people are the, the vast majority of people and that they need to be given support if they are to fulfill their baptismal calling and that sometimes the reason that people haven't been given the responsibility that is theirs at baptism is because they haven't been given the formation needed to take on those responsibilities. So I suppose really we're saying that we want to provide that kind of formation. Uh, we want to fulfill what we committed to in the Synod and what we committed to in our diocesan pastoral plan. Uh, you mentioned the pastoral units in the diocese. I suppose, Shane, those units provide a structure or a kind of a framework within which people can work as um, lay catechists, lay pastoral workers, providing the kind of kind of pastoral ministry that we're talking about. Mm. Um, you also mentioned, uh, I think your second question was around 
the certificate piece, the study piece, what would people be looking at there? And Eamon, just as part of that as well, uh, because that, that might be the bit that might put people off, is is there any particular entry requirements for that as well? Because I suppose when you talk about you know something that's accredited by a university, maybe people might get a bit anxious about something like that as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it's always a big consideration um, for adults perhaps going back to learning and to formal learning. Um, I can't emphasize strongly enough that um, it's not a high, high academic program at all. It's very much based on drawing from people's own experience, their own life experience is kind of the, the if you like, the primary text that we'll be using and that we'll be learning from. Obviously, there is um, input, there will be lectures, there will be learning, there will be some study, but in no way should it be seen as something that would be off-putting or that would be above anyone or beyond anyone. Um, there isn't an entry requirement. It's a level six certificate, so I mean, it's not that we're, we're asking for people to have any kind of um, high academic ability. Um, it's really about people who have the skills and the capacity and the time and the interest and the willingness and just giving them some input and some background that would support them in that work. Um, but it, it's not about um, <clears throat> high academic input and in no way should people be, be put off by that. Mm. So I did in terms of kind of the topics that the study might cover? Yeah, um, I mean we'll, we'll have modules looking at things like liturgy and how we worship and again, some of those will be very practical and drawing on people's own experience and give them giving them the skills around preparing prayer moments or leading liturgies. Um, we also will be looking at an introduction to the Bible and how we can understand scripture and reading the Bible and praying with the Bible and leading groups in praying with the Bible. Um, we have, because of course it's, it's pastoral studies, we have modules on pastoral theology and all that that entails, just the very practical um, expression of theology in our parishes and in our communities, the way in which I suppose it's lived out day by day in ministry. Um, there are modules on the theology around ministry and what, what that means. So there are a variety of um, modules. There's also a module in there on our own personal development for, for ministry. So again, the importance of self-awareness, personal skills, um, facilitation skills, ability to work as part of a team, listening, all of that would be included in that. But I suppose the, the emphasis and the focus is on providing people with both knowledge and skills. So it's, it's about being, being competent and being qualified. That's really what the, the program is geared towards. Now, I suppose, Eamon, if people were interested in, in, in finding out more about it, what would be the, the best approach or what, what would be, how would, how would they do that? Yeah, in, here in Limerick, we have a number of information nights coming up. And in West Limerick, on Wednesday, the 27th of November, I will be in the Long Court Hotel in Newcastle West at half seven essentially providing information on this program. So we're inviting all comers, anybody who's curious, who'd like to learn more, who think they might be interested to come along. Uh, there's no commitment involved beyond that. It's just an opportunity to hear more, 
to find out more about the program itself and the course and what's involved. So Wednesday the 27th in the Long Court Hotel in Newcastle West. The previous night on Tuesday the 26th of November, I'll be in the Limerick Diocesan Centre out there in St. Monsions in Corbally, again at half seven. And then on the Thursday night, I will be over in Kilmallock in the Debert Hotel again at half seven. So that's Tuesday the 26th, Wednesday 27th and Thursday 28th, three information nights in three different locations around the diocese to provide people with an opportunity, I suppose, to come along to hear more and especially to ask any questions they might have and to allay any fears or concerns that they might have as well. I suppose I think for a lot of people, Eamon, I suppose there's a kind of a question how 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 it will work out on the ground, I suppose, because looking at the introduction of the pastoral units the, the across the diocese, it's been very, um, how, what's the word I spit? The, 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 the implementation has been very um, uneven in terms of pastoral areas. Some are very far ahead of others. So I suppose it's a case of how, you know, how, how has it all been brought together, I suppose, from a diocesan perspective? I suppose the intention and the hope would be that over the number of years, because with the six-month discernment preparation time and then the two-year follow-on certificate um, time, the hope would be that throughout that uh, duration of the course, a lot of support um, would be provided to participants and that they would almost form themselves a diocesan team, people who are engaged in this um, program and engaged in this process, working together across the diocese, learning and sharing and themselves becoming a support for each other. But the hope also would be that we would uh, recruit participants from throughout the diocese so that all our pastoral units would in time have lay pastoral workers, lay pastoral uh, leaders in, in ministry and leadership so that it wouldn't be something that would be just focused here and there or would be sporadic or would be uneven as you describe it, but that we would in fact try to ensure that throughout the diocese, each of the pastor units would have uh, people partaking in this program. Okay. Eamon, listen, thank you very much for coming in to, to talk to us this morning about this. So if you could just give us those dates and times again for the information nights, just if people just want to get them again, uh, if they want to find out more. Sure. So I suppose the one I'm emphasising is the one in Newcastle West, because it's probably closest to your listeners. So that's Wednesday the 27th of November in the Longcourt Hotel at half seven. But if anybody can't make that on the previous night, the Tuesday night, the 26th of November, we will be in the Limerick Diocesan Centre out in St. Munchens College in Corbally. And then on Thursday, the 28th of November, we're over in the south of the diocese in the Debert Hotel in Kilmallock, again at half seven. Okay. And all of those are at 7.30? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. No problem. Eamon, thank you so much for coming on to the programme to us this morning and for bringing us that update. Um, hopefully sure. we might... Ha yeah, John, sure. Thanks a lot, um, Father Eamon, for, for coming on again. Maybe you might join us again uh, in the new year, maybe to bring us a little Absolutely. bit more of an update as to any more initiatives that might be happening within the diocese, if you've got some time. Sure, I'd be delighted, John. Yeah, absolutely. And in the meantime, we might go out with a second piece of music this morning. Maybe this one is appropriate. It's entitled Five Little Loaves and Two Little Fish, and it's by Connie May.
You can use it all. 
So welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose and the others in Skype line. This is the part of the programme where we read and reflect on the Word of God, uh, the Sunday Gospel. Before that, there's a prayer. We always pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture, and I'll pray that this morning. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this Word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So we'll ask Shane to share reading the Gospel for us today, the 31st Sunday, uh, taken from Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. Thanks, Shane. Jesus entered Jericho and was going through the town when when a man whose name was Zacchaeus made his appearance. He was one of the senior tax collectors and a wealthy man. He was anxious to see what kind of man Jesus was, but he was too short and could not see him for the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to catch a glimpse of Jesus who was to pass that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and spoke to him. Zacchaeus, come down. Hurry because I must stay at your house today. And Zacchaeus hurried down and welcomed Jesus joyfully. They all complained when they saw what was happening. He has gone to stay at a sinner's house, they said. But Zacchaeus stood his ground and said to the Lord, Look, sir, I am going to give half my property to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody, I will pay him back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek out and save what was lost. Thank you for that, Shane. That's the Gospel for today. We've got about two minutes left. I've got about a minute of a reflection, and then we'll see if we've got any time to let Shane in just a very quick one. The line that caught me today in today's Gospel was, uh, it's from Zacchaeus, and he was anxious. He was anxious to see Jesus, but he was too short. He wanted to see what kind of man Jesus was. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore tree. Sycamore tree, apparently, is a very short tree. It's very easy to climb. So there goes our man Zacchaeus, and he ran up the tree to have a look and see and see what kind of guy this guy Jesus was. He looked up, and when, 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 as he climbed up the tree, Jesus looked up at him and said, Zacchaeus, come down, hurry. I must stay in your house. The thought that came to me was maybe we were anxious sometimes to see what kind of man Jesus is. For a variety of reasons. We never really got to know Jesus. It could be because we feel we're too short. Or maybe we're not good enough. Or maybe we weren't holy enough. But we knew somewhere within us that we needed to have a chat and have a relationship with Jesus. And like like Zacchaeus, who found an easy tree to climb... So maybe we could too. Maybe we could f- take little steps to help us to m- manage a little bit, to, to get to know Jesus a little bit more. We could say a little prayer each morning. A little prayer could be something like we could ask him to send his Holy Spirit to guide us 
something like, come Holy Spirit, show me, show me the way to meet Jesus. We could read things about Jesus in the Gospels, maybe taken home a missalette from the Mass each week. We could join groups like Lectio Divina, like we do in Newcastle West here. It's in Newcastle West from 8.15 to 9.15 in Newcastle West Parish Centre each Monday night. And in there, we get to know Jesus a little bit more because we go through the Gospel messages and they're explained to us and we share about how the Gospel can affect our lives and give us hope and give us encouragement. So maybe like Zacchaeus, when Jesus looked up to him in the tree and said those lovely words, let's listen to Jesus maybe say to us as he speaks those words to John, maybe to Shane, maybe to Mary, maybe to Joe up there. Today I must stay in your house. And if he says that to us and if we hear that, I'll be ready to welcome him. That's about all we have time for the program this morning. Shani, Shani, I didn't get a chance to, to get, let you in there. That's absolutely fine. But next week, hopefully, we'll, we'll, we'll do it all again, have a different guest, uh, different music, but we'll have, the, we'll have the, a different gospel too. Please join myself and Shane next week where we'll have another edition of Come and See Inspirations. But in the meantime, we'll go out with a final piece of music. This one is from the Bard Sisters, and it's entitled Rejoice. So until next week, God bless you all now. Bye. Bye. Let's go.